This is the Hard News Vegan. I'm Pamela Rice, your host, author of 101 Reasons Why I'm a Vegetarian, both in pamphlet and in book form. Thank you, Joseph Puentes, for technical support. In the background, you hear Gothic Prelude by Kathy Reynolds. Here at the Hard News Vegan, you're going to hear about the issues, vegan and vegetarian issues. I'm not much for the lifestyle stuff, and anyway, there's no shortage of that wherever you go in vegan land. I hope you like the show. You can hear other podcasts in the series at www.vivaveggie.org slash podcast. That's vivaveggie.org slash podcast. Viva Veggie with one G. You can go to that web address to send me an email. So without further ado, hard news began. Hey, uh, so yes, greetings uh, again. This is the hard news from began. Uh, this is Pamela Rice. It's December 21, 2007. And Christmas is upon us. Uh, I am going to be speaking about a conference I went to on December 1, uh, just a few weeks ago. And I went there with my... Uh, a uh, friend, Lisa Lindblom. Lisa Lindblom is a uh, animal activist and an animal person all the way. Uh, she uh, conducts a trap neuter, uh, a trap neuter feral cat program. That is, she takes feral cats uh, from uh, the city street. She lives in the Bronx, and uh, she's actually taken in hundreds of them over the years. And uh, she spends her own money to spay or neuter them, and then she returns them back uh, in, into the city streets where they can live out their days. And uh, she has helped me with uh, vegan uh, activism outreach. She, ha- she herself has a battery cage, a real one, that she obtained from some other animal activists, and she filled it up with stuffed animal uh, battery hens. They're stuffed animals in, in all stages of uh, horror in which they live, uh, and it's a uh, education tool. She's, she's brought it right down to Union Square. We've gone out, passed out flyers, and uh, she also brought it um, to a presentation I gave at the Bird Club, and uh, she's a very cool lady. She came with me to uh, this conference, and it was... Uh, um, given by a group called Just Food, and it was Just Foods Summit on Food, Farms, and Community Health. And it was uh, took place at the new school here in New York City, and it was a sold-out event. I think they had like 500 people, so uh, it was something. What drew me to this event was uh, a gentleman, um, Aaron Wolf. And I'm a big fan of this guy because he's the director, producer, uh, one of the two or, or both, of an awesome movie I saw recently called uh, King Corn. And uh, King Corn is uh, highly recommended by this vegan, hard news vegan, Pamela Rice, <laughs> yours truly. Uh, it's all about the impact of farm subsidies and uh, big, big Part of farm subsidies goes to uh, to farm 
uh, correction to uh, corn, corn producers. And uh, it's, it's insane why these people are so coddled by the U.S. government. But its um, end effect is um, a lot of ill health uh, and uh, essentially factory farming. We have way too much corn on our hands, and we don't know what to do with it. And so um, it's a huge reason. In fact, it's probably the primary uh, force behind the growth in factory farming here in America and now in the world around us. Anyway, uh, these folks, Just Food, they're a kind of a new organization. I think they've been around maybe 15 years or so, and uh, I don't have a whole lot of complaint with them. They are uh, not a whole lot of complaint in what they do and what they stand for, um, Lisa and I have come have, have, are in full agreement. Lisa is a vegan, of course, and uh, our big complaint is what they omit, what they don't talk about. Um, <clears throat> they do talk about organic agriculture. They talk about local agriculture. They talk about uh, they're against. Uh, uh, you know, uh, hormones and beef, and they're against antibiotics in, in farms, uh, animals, and uh, let's see, genetic engineering. They're against. Um, so these are uh, these are what they stand for, basically. But the big thing that annoyed Lisa and I a lot and we realized what we were in for when we got to this conference, was that this organization that put the conference on, Just Food, does not mention veganism, does not mention vegetarianism. Um, um, it doesn't even mention that people should eat less meat. Uh, uh, but uh, another thing they stand for, I neglected to mention, sustainability, agriculture sustainability. Well, unfortunately, you cannot have agricultural sustainability uh, if you don't at least promote vegetarianism. And they don't, they, they do this sort of in the background, I'll mention some things later, but they don't do it front and center. And that is what they need to do. Okay, Lisa and I, we, uh, like I say, I went there to see Aaron uh, Wolf. Um, he was the keynote speaker. And I went, I, I, I paid my once 65 bucks to go to this event, basically because, you know, I wanted to see this guy. And, uh, and I, it, it, I don't want to detract from him in any way. I can't tell you how much I admire this person for this incredible movie that he put together. But his uh, keynote speech was lackluster um, all the way. And it was because he had this great opportunity, I felt, to really uh, home in on some of the issues, some of the big issues of, of, of corn subsidies. Uh, you know, like I mentioned, it is it, it is that little evil genius, that little evil behind the scenes. It is what is the engine behind factory farming in America. You know, that's essentially it. And yet he did not mention that, and he did not mention a lot of things. 
had he had at least 300 people in that auditorium, and he could have been more of. I mean, I was I was hoping for a big uh, uh, for to, to hear a fiery. Uh, fiery speech and uh, a man with great passion and he was going to rile up the crowd and, and talk about the great issues that he brings up in his movie but he did not he talked about a lot of incidental personal things about himself uh, this man uh, God bless him but he's basically an artist he's basically a filmmaker and uh, though he made a movie called King Corn which is um, you know dear to my heart, uh, he himself does not, is not passionate about the issues that he himself brought up. So on to session one, uh, Lisa and I both went to sessions after the keynote, and uh, I went to a session on the farm bill, uh, which is uh, rumbling through the Congress right now, and uh, is a catastrophe, as always. Um, mainly because, and I get uh, the $9 billion that goes every year to corn subsidies. Unfortunately, this fact was not brought up at, at the, uh, in, in the session. And uh, very quickly, the presenters were Fern Gale Estro from FGE's Food and Nutrition Team, Stephanie Demons from Ox Oxfam, Leanna Hoods from National Campaign of Sustainable Agriculture, Amy Whitman of Sustainable Agriculture Coalition, uh, and a facilitator was uh, Kathy Roof, and she probably was with uh, Just Food, the, the, the group. Now, you know, I just rattle that stuff off. Oh, you know, I, I didn't hardly take notes about this. All I knew was that these presentations uh, taken together as a whole as part of a presentation in general about the farm bill uh, was uh, greatly lacking. I mean, uh, you know, I, I hate to say it, but they should have had me uh, as one of their panelists. Of course, um, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. And uh, I hope to contact them uh, over the year, over this coming year, and to try and get my get at least a couple of presentations myself at this event as it is taking place next year. Hopefully, it'll be in New York again. Anyway, um, if they had had me uh, as one of their panelists about the farm bill, I would have emphasized two things. One, this, as I mentioned, the nine billion dollars that goes to farm subsidies every year. The other thing I would have dwelt on heavily and, and with great emphasis would be the EQIP program, uh, which is uh, part of the uh, United States Department of Agriculture. EQIP, you know, there's a, you know, there are dozens of acronyms uh, that are part of the U.S. government, and there are lots of them uh, part of the USDA. Uh, EQIP stands for Environmental Quality Incentives Program, and the name has nothing to do with what it's about. It basically is about uh, giving uh, livestock farmers, and not just any livestock farmers, these are farmers who are involved with, with uh, intensive confinement of animals, not just a few animals, but a lot of animals, you know, these are the CAFOs, the confined animal feeding operations out there. 
And these are the ones where you're talking about, you know, 5,000, 8,000, oh, maybe 50,000 pigs in one facility or in one basic geographic area. Or, uh, you know, uh, literally 15 million hens. Maybe not in one facility or one one building, certainly, but in numerous buildings in one basic geographic area. We're talking a lot of manure here. And, you know, I talk a lot about manure because when you're talking about animal agriculture, it comes up, it's it's a perennial, in, it's a, a problem that never goes away. And what does EQIP to do uh, for all you vegans out there? If you guys want an issue, this is the one. This is the one. We don't have to wait for any special appropriation to pig farmers or anything like that. We've got our appropriation right now. This EQIP gives uh, one point, I believe, one point three billion dollars. Um, over the course of the farm legislation, the farm bill, which is five to seven years, $1.3 billion, that's a good chunk of change. And where does it go? It goes into the hands of these, these CAFO operators. Okay, So they can uh, better manage their manure. Isn't that nice, folks? Okay, We could be out in the street about this one tomorrow, you know. Uh, by the way, I have an article in front of me written uh, by Mayfruza Khan, K-H-A-N, Mayfruza, M-A-F-R-U-Z-A, and he is with a, he published an article through Good Jobs First of Washington, D.C., called Going Backwards, colon, EQIP under the 2002 Farm Bill. And basically what he says here is that um, this EQIP started at a, as a very small prog program and then blew, you know, just uh, grew into, you know, to a billion-dollar program like, over the course of, like, five or eight years, which is, as I read here, sort of unprecedented for any government program. But the thing that he mentions here that I didn't, is not substantiated that in any reading I've ever done, but that this program and programs like it are um, shielded from FOIA requests, that is, Freedom of Information Act. I don't want to talk any more about that. I want to talk more about this, um, this summit, this conference that Lisa and I went to. While I was at this farm, this uh, farm bill um, uh, 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 program. Lisa was uh, down the hall a bit. Uh, no, actually she was in, a, in the next building over anyway. She went to a program called Livestock in the City. Bees, worms, chickens, and goats. Okay? So, you know, that's kind of interesting for a vegan to go to such a program of uh, you know, we vegans, we don't really believe in any kind of livestock in the city or any place. You know, uh, we do not believe animals uh, should be cultivated in any way for our own, uh, you know, our, our own um, pleasures and things like that. Um, not when, not certainly today when we have synthetic alternatives in every case. But um, anyway, um, 
Um, as for the worms, I don't want to really talk about the worms. There's no controversy there, really, not even with me. I mean, if I were doing comp, it was about composting, basically, with worms. So someone gave a presentation on that. Uh, also, uh, the bees, that is, um, you know, I don't know if that's controversial. Certainly not among, among you know, real hardcore vegans. Um, I do not eat honey. I don't think we need to, you know, no matter what's going on with the honey, all right, honey, uh, they don't kill the bees anymore. That's pretty much universal, not to get the honey. Um, and uh, these days, apparently, uh, bees are under siege by some kind of mysterious uh, uh, agent that is killing off certain species of bees. I don't know if cultivating honeybees uh, for honey uh, has any kind of um, kind of any antidote to to that situation. Anyway, for what it's worth, I don't think human beings need to cultivate honey uh, honeybees. I don't think that we should be taking their honey uh, or or their wax. It's theirs. They work very very hard to make it, and it's not up to us to take it. In any case, uh, there was a presentation about bees. Um, and um, then there was a presentation about goats. Um, there, uh, a, um, a, there was uh, there's a city, a small town, I guess, in Massachusetts that was a victim of uh, urban blight, and it went into disrepair, and uh, a bunch of people just kind of went in there and, and kind of took it over like squatters. I, it sounds like this is from information Lisa has told me. Unfortunately, Lisa couldn't be with me today. I was wanted her very badly and been trying to get together with her to actually do a live uh, interview and conversation for this podcast. But that we tried actually three times, and <laughs> I tried. Anyway, um, so this one group called Nuestras Rases. Uh, in uh, that's N U E S T R A S R A I S E S. Okay, it's a group, and um, what they've done is uh, taken some urban land, and they basically are farming, you know, and doing different things, doing basically urban farming, and um, and uh, they're slaughtering goats. That's part of what they do. And see, with just food, um, the name just is not, you know, it's not, we're not just talking about like, oh, it's just food. We're talking about, is it just, as in justice. So um, this organization that put on this conference is involved in, and um, they're uh, uh, concerned with uh, social justice. And they see uh, a bunch of people going into a burned out area, urban area, and using it to, to for agriculture as empowering. That's my guess. That's my guess here. Now, um, the fourth item, the chickens. That's kind of interesting. Elisa tells me that there was a presentation uh, from, uh, let's see, Just Food City Chicken Project. Now, isn't that interesting? Just Food apparently produced a... Uh, "Quote unquote guide to the city chicken," <laughs> and uh, this is um, 
is basically how to raise chickens for eggs in urban settings. Okay, uh, and uh, the book apparently is really kind of sweet. Uh, it, they do not advocate killing the chickens when they are no longer productive, and they have all kinds of ways of what you can do with an aging hen, and it's kind of sweet. This is the group that's putting on this conference, okay? So um, uh, that an aging chicken, an aging hen, can add beauty to your uh, community garden, uh, can give companionship to uh, to people, um, it can... Uh, offer weed control. <laughs> These are all things uh, Lisa told me. And so they have a city chicken working group. Isn't that wonderful? So uh, there was a presentation about that. I mean, I think that's kind of cool. I mean, if you are going to eat eggs, I mean, if you insist and you must eat eggs, then, you know, have a chicken. And apparently it is legal. It's legal to have a chicken right here in New York City. Moving on, we went to lunch, okay, and lunch was kind of interesting at the conference, okay, this is again, uh, Just Food Summit on Food Farms and Community Health at the New School, we went to lunch and we barely got fed, you know, uh, we were entitled to a lunch um, for our money, and uh, we almost starved, no, I shouldn't say that, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of vegan food, there wasn't any conscious well basically that you know there wasn't a whole lot of consciousness about veganism with um with this group just food anyway after lunch we went to uh sticking with the theme of just food um there was a gentleman i don't see him in the program i can only tell you in general terms there was a filmmaker who did a uh, really looked like an excellent documentary about uh no less child uh farm working labor in right here in the USA. Uh, poor kids uh, were filmed, I believe, and I don't want to malign any particular state. Was it Texas? Was it California? Uh, my memory doesn't serve me so well. Let's just say that somewhere in the United States, and you can imagine that it's not just the place where this, this filmmaker was, that... Um, Child labor is alive and well on farms in America, okay? This is what he documented. And it, what it really, when you saw the kids and you saw their faces and you saw them doing this work, you know, and, you know, and say, these kids need to be in school. They need to be, you know, if they don't go to school, they are, they are then forever, forever destined to, um, you know, low-pay jobs. I mean, there's just slave wages. They're entering a world of slavery. Uh, so Just Food, this group, um, like I say, I a lot of what they stand for, I'm not against. Uh, after his program, Lisa and I split up, and uh, we went to several programs. Uh, Lisa went to a, a program. I kind of sat in on it for just a few minutes uh, about canning and preserving foods. And again, Just Food uh, uh, advocates local food. The presenter at that session, which was uh, called Eating Local Throughout the Year. 
and uh, the presenter, Lida Meredith, L-E-D-A Meredith. Uh, she she was a very cool lady. She seemed like a vegan, but she didn't mention that necessarily. She canned uh, local food, so she could eat it in the winter. Now, you know, I think it's a lost art, and I think that it needs to come back. Uh, I, I very much agree with that. And, um, you know, people do say to me, say, well, Pam, you know, uh, what, how are we going to eat our favorite foods in the wintertime, you know? There's your answer. There's your answer. You know, buy local in the summer and then can it. Can it. You know, it's fun. It's good stuff. So she went to that and then she left that and uh, went to, Lisa went to another program, she tells me. Um, Yeah, she went to a program um, about uh, community gardens. Okay. So, you know, that's a cool idea. In fact, I I, I so favor that. Uh, in fact, uh, Cuba, uh, after the Soviet Union fell in the early 90s, they were cut off from uh, a little cash cow they had. The Soviet Union had for years sent Cuba, you know, subsidies. And they uh, uh, suddenly they didn't have... Um, enough fertilizer for their farms. And so they cultivated, I think, uh, uh, organic rooftop uh, agriculture in Havana. Okay? I would love to see this. I really would. Uh, any of you people out there, if you're Cuban and you you know how to get me into Cuba, I would love to see this. And I could say, well, it's uh, because I uh, am a, I'm a scholar, you know, and I want to study it. So I'd love to see this especially before Castro dies. Anyway, so uh, community gardens here in New York City, there are lots of them, and uh, Lisa went to a program about that. So, you know, Just Food is all about those kinds of issues, local food, you know, organic, um, you know, that kind of thing. Anyway, while she was at those two programs about canning and community gardens, I was at a program, an uh, interesting program, uh, presented by Thomas Forster, F-O-R-S-T-E-R, Thomas Forster, and he's with Community Food Security Coalition. He's an interna- international partners for sustainable agriculture. Sounds like good stuff. Now, this guy uh, is in favor of uh, empowerment by indigenous groups and women and uh, minorities and uh, giving these people a voice at the UN, okay? And he himself, if you listen to this guy, he's, you know, you enter into a world, I'm, I'm not really oriented to it all. This is a guy who has been lobbying the UN and helping other people in coalitions lobby the UN for certain causes, mostly for indigenous people, like I say, um, those kinds of things. And uh, so he was uh, going on and on and on. It was, it was it, it's a guy who... 
he's not like me, who uh, I see the problem, I go out on the street and I advocate it, and I say, we need this change now. We need a groundswell of grassroots support. We need change now. He's not this kind of person. He's a guy who's down in the trenches uh, working for incremental change from a the standpoint of an organization that 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 uh, goes through the paces and lobbies an organization like the UN uh, and learns how to do that from the ground up. And he's a uh, that's that's kind of his world. So he he brought us into that. And you know, uh, more power to him. What's interesting? What was interesting about this one? Why I was very anxious to go to this. Well. I'll just tell the story. At one point he said, uh, my ears are really perked up at this point, that there is a connection, he said, between the environment and what we eat. And I says, oh boy, oh boy, here's my entree. I raised my hand and I says, "Um, okay, you mentioned this and, uh, you know, you're talking about uh, empowering people to uh, lobby the UN for for change. And it says, are there any people at these days who are lobbying for uh, eating lower on the food chain? Okay, because of a recent report that came out of the UN called Livestock's Long Shadow. Okay, lots of vegans know about this one. Livestock's Long Shadow, do a Google on it. It's a 400-page report that came out of the UN that uh, was basically, uh, I don't know, it stated every every environmental catastrophe, everything that is catastrophic about livestock production around the world. And the big fact that came out of that report, which, you know, floored us all. I mean, we vegans, we knew this for a long time. But to have it come out in black and white in a in a major report of the UN was like, uh, I don't know, butter. <laughs> no, I don't want to use that term. Anyway, it was a good thing. And uh, it the, the basic fact that came out of it that we vegans could go running around and stating everywhere is that it takes more... Uh, let's put it this way, um, that, that livestock, all the world's livestock, create more greenhouse gases in the way of mostly methane and nitrous oxide, by the way, which are much more potent greenhouse gases than carbon dioxide. Livestock emit more greenhouse gases in CO2 equivalent than all the world's vehicles, okay? In fact, it's significantly more, significantly more. Uh, And yet, we always talk about SUVs, not that I like SUVs, okay? We're always talking about the vehicles. We're talking about CO2. We never talk about nitrous oxide and methane, which um, are... Our meat-centered diet uh, is creating, and it's going up there, and it's causing global warming. Anyway, so I mentioned this 
And suddenly, I mean, the guy got very uncomfortable. And he says, oh, well, you know, there are some people, some militants. <laughs> I use the word militants. And, you know, which is, uh, you know, connotes, you know, something very negative, obviously. And, you know, I obviously took offense, so then he, he kind of, like, uh, he, 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 he paired back that. And uh, then uh, he, he basically kind of, he didn't answer the question or anything. And he says, oh, yes, livestock's long shadow, you know. He had heard of it, and he got, got very uncomfortable about it. I mean, why? I don't know. I guess he just doesn't want to enter yet another category. You know, he's... He's fighting for indigenous people. He's fighting for uh, women around the world and and um, third world people to take back their lives around the world for the UN and and food being a you know a central focus. Okay, that's what he does. And to hear that we need to talk about vegetarianism or something militant like that was um, something that I guess he didn't want to get into. All right. All right. Fair enough. In any case, I'm happy that I brought it up in a room full of at least 45 people, by the way. So, uh, And some people wrote it down. You know, they wrote down Livestock's Long Shadow. They wrote it down in their little notebooks in the room and who knows they may go back home and they may google it and they maybe they were googling it on the spot don't know these days so there was one guy in the room who did raise his hand and says well hey you know he was kind of calling the guy on his uh, term you know when he was using the word militant and he says you know uh, yeah, indeed, livestock emitting, you know, uh, a lot of CO2 equivalent uh, greenhouse gases in the way of methane and nitrous oxide, da-da-da-da-da. So, so I went and I got up and I chatted with him, and I I, I thanked him for for uh, kind of uh, commenting and supporting me when I was trying to make a point, you know, in, in the room. And so he and I were chatting, and I was saying, you know, things like, well, you know, this this group needs to talk about uh, eating lower on the food chain, eating less meat, and stuff like that. And so suddenly to my right, I see a woman uh, kind of uh, mosey on over, and uh, it was uh, somebody from the, the Heifer Project, which I neglected to mention before was the facilitator in that that um, uh, uh, program that Lisa went to about livestock in the city. And I feel pretty certain it was uh, Ailey Kent. I can't be certain, but uh, she is from the Heifer International. And, you know, uh, Heifer International, in case you're not familiar with these people, it's an not kind of some kind of nonprofit. I don't know what, what their designation is, but... Um, uh, they place, uh, quote-unquote, seed uh, livestock animals in communities in the de developing world. They help individuals uh, uh, with gain a livelihood through animal agriculture. And they think that this is just the greatest thing on earth. You know, they get a lot of these big donations, and they, they buy livestock, and they bring them overseas to the developing world. And, um, you know, 
this is, we don't need more livestock in the world, right? We don't need more livestock in the world. We, um, you know, granted, and, and you know, that there are places on planet Earth that are not conducive to just uh, plant agriculture, you know, very, uh, and is only conducive to grazing. Just the same, you know, I had to point out that, you know, that, that huge amounts of arable land across the globe is being destroyed by grazing, okay, number one, and, um, you know, we, we just don't need more livestock. And, who, and she says, oh, well, we have strict rules about what these uh, people can do with their livestock. They cannot raise these animals intensively, but really, who's... Who's really checking up on these people at all times? You know, that is, that that would be a good question. All right. But you know, so heifer, by the way, was very much represented at this group, uh, at this conference, uh, Just Food. Now, after all the programs, you know, there are many, 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 many programs that we did not go to. Um, at the end, uh, you know, so I can't talk about them all. That's for sure. Just the ones that Lisa and I went to. And uh, later there was wine and cheese and prizes, and there was a silent auction. And interestingly, there was uh, the three restaurants, three vegetarian restaurants had donated dinner for two. You know, so the vegetarianism was basically represented at this group. But again, I want to emphasize that at this, this conference, uh, you know, a lot of the things that they stand for, I don't have a whole lot of issues with them. I mean, if I want to go crazy vegan on them, I could, I'm sure. Uh, but compared to, you know, you know, regular animal agriculture out there, these people are really, you know, basically pretty good people. Okay, they're um, they're way, way, way down the line as lesser of two evils. Um. My big complaint with them, as people who I would like to ally myself with, you know, just to get that vegan message out there, is that they do not talk about vegetarianism and veganism. They're they're conspicuously silent on the issue. And if they're talking about sustainability, if they're talking about organic. Uh, you've got to talk about eating lower on the food chain. You've got to eat. talk about eating less meat. And why? Why? I mean, why don't we hear this? Why don't we hear this to these potential allies of ours who are so adamant about local food, about organic food, about, you know, no GMOs and, you know, all these issues that, that you know, why don't we hear that? Why don't we hear that? Because you, I, I tell you, you cannot have. There's just not enough land. There's just not enough natural resources in the world uh, for everyone to be organic, everyone to be, you know, um, you know, eat locally and all of this. We have to be more vegan. And um, this, uh, my apologies for this, the length of this podcast. <laughs> So uh, that's it. It's December 21, uh, 2007, and this is the Hard News Vegan. I'm Pamela Rice, author of 101 Reasons Why I'm a Vegetarian.
So, good night. This about wraps it up for this edition of Hard News Began. This is Pamela Wright, your host. Thank you again, Joseph Puente, for technical support. And until next time, stay strong, stay vegan, and take a meat eater to lunch.